Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Hey, hey, we're back. That's right. (laughs) How's it going, Mike? It's going pretty good today, I have to say. Uh, on On days when I'm having technical difficulties and things are exploding, I have to be grateful for the fact that I'm alive and I'm healthy. And then you realize that everything is pretty good. It is. And I mean, we do have technical problems sometimes, but consider the fact that we have our own studios, you know, like right. It's It's possible in this day and age to do this. It's, it's wonderful. No, I mean, just the fact that since I was having computer trouble, I can just go attach a microphone to my phone and record blows my mind. That's just, incredible. You know, when I think about renting a four track, so a four track recorder, everybody is when you take a, um, a, a, a tape, like a, you know, an, an old cassette tape, and then you can split the tape into four different tracks that you can record on on. And actually it's both sides of the tape are those tracks. Anyway, that used to be super expensive. We used to rent them in high school to go record on and stuff. And now you have unlimited amount of tracks in your phone. Right. And then you'd go over to Fred and Wilma's and play the song for them. <laughs> right. And, and it, was, it was hard because their dinosaur who answered the door didn't like me. So oh. not, they didn't always let me in. Yeah. Anyway. So, right. It's a, it's a good reminder to stay grateful and thoughtful and enjoy life for what it is. So I am doing here, just fine. Here. All right. Great. And the weekend's already passed. That went by very quickly. And summer is dwindling. Yeah. We've got Labor Day weekend coming up this weekend. So oh, Yeah. So yeah. everybody's excited about what do you do for I mean, everybody has like barbecues on Labor Day, right? And then you wear white for the last time in the season. <laughs> I think that's I don't know. That's what I, think I that do. fashion rule might be might be I, expired by the now. The last time I get my white t shirts out is this for this Labor Day. <laughs> oh no. So do you have a long run? Like Wendy, so you just did like a hundred miles this weekend, right? Yeah. Well actually, um this weekend I ran nineteen miles, so my longest run yet. Okay. But I, I realized that last weekend I crossed the 500 mile mark for this year. So Hey, that's exciting. I yeah, I didn't notice that until far after the fact, but it was exciting. It also reminds me that I should probably get some new shoes. Yes, they say the 500 mile is, is usually time to get new shoes. I found that you can stretch it out to like 800, but, wow. then, but then when they go, they go. Like <laughs> you don't have it. It's not just like a little rip. It's no like you lose, you lose your shoe in the middle of the run. You're like, that's it. Yeah, but so 19 miles and it's it's a new experience every weekend getting to discover which part of my body is going to fall apart. Yes. <laughs> this time it was my right hip and my right bottom of my foot, but it's cool. I can still walk and hopefully and be- in time for the next long run, I'll be feeling like Wonder Woman again. So. Right. And so just, just be careful with the hips. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the, uh, that's the dangerous part. And you know... If- mm. When you get to be my age, Wendy, anything bad like when anything bad happens to your hip, you need a replacement. <gasps> okay, let's let's not go that far. No, let's not. So anyway, that's exciting. So you got you running in. I finished Stranger Things this weekend. Oh yeah, you said you've been enjoying that one, and I have yet to watch it. I would hardly recommend it, especially people who enjoy the show are gonna enjoy all the weirdness on Stranger Things. And if you grew up in the 1980s, you'll like it especially. Cool. I think a lot of people our age particularly liked it because it was that whole like, they're like, well, you know, I remember all that stuff. And nostalgia. It is. I mean, some of it you can tell like 
There's no way that a kid in like 1983 Indiana would have heard the Smiths by that point. <laughs> so there's there's some things where it's like, oh come on, there's no way that he'd have heard the Smiths because there was just no place to get that stuff in the middle of Indiana in 1980. Nice. But I appreciate what they were trying to do, and so I'd recommend that to cool. everybody. It's the sci-fi sensation of the summer. All right, well I'm gonna check that out next in my queue. I, I'm still, <laughs> this is embarrassing, but I'm still trying to get my way through Mad Men. <laughs> That's okay. Mad Men I'm on is, the last season now, so. Mad Men is like a fine wine. Like, you should enjoy it slowly. Like, yeah. you know, chugging is for Miller Lite. Mad Men <laughs> is like a, um, a good drink that you want to enjoy every little yeah. bit. Yeah, and I am. I'm enjoying it. But um, the next series that I'm going to dive into will be Stranger Things. So yes, I look I, forward to that. I, hard, I, think you'll, I think you'll dig it the most. In the words of Jules Winfield from Pulp Fiction. Oh, man, you dig it the most. All right. Other exciting news. Yes. We've got another Patreon community member. Another Patreon patron. Yes. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? It's our good friend, Ned. Oh, man. Ned, you're the best. A devoted friend, fan, and listener. And he's uh, regularly commenting and emailing us about um, the episodes so we know he listens. Yes. So thank you so much, Ned. We are really, really excited to have you in our Patreon community. Yes, you're a rock star, and uh, we've also been his backing band in a couple That's of right. occasions. Broadening the horizons, playing songs with, with Ned. So uh, right He's on, a welcome. talented singer and songwriter. Welcome to the community, Ned, and uh, for the rest of you, if you guys are interested in getting on, on the Patreon fun, which is where you can suggest topics and talk and, and get to be part of a community of for seeing on the other side, the address is othersidepodcast.com slash donate is where you can become part of the community, too. And you're... And, We'd love to welcome you. We sure would. We'd love to say your name next week, along with our good friend. (laughs) That's right. Speaking of friends of the show, paranormal friend that we met in Alton, Illinois at the Haunted America Conference uh, in June. We're welcoming him on this week. And he's got an interesting perspective because a lot of people have talked somewhat about the stone tape theory. Right. And we're going to go into what the stone tape theory is inside the episode. Yes. And we'll talk a little bit more about it, but very few people have actually done some scientific exploration of what the stone tape theory could be, and that's what we talked to about with Timothy Yoey, paranormal investigator from St. Louis Mo. All right, let's hear what he has to say. We're with author and paranormal researcher Timothy Yoey who we met at the Haunted America Conference in Alton, Illinois, just a couple of months ago for the 20th anniversary of the Haunted America Conference. Welcome to the show, Tim. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, Mike. I'm great to be here. And you're in the St. Louis area, right? Yes, actually, in the city of St. Louis. Okay, so you guys having a nice summer there so far? It is. It's been rainy and cool, but, uh, you know, you take the good with the bad, so it's been pretty good so far. All right, good. Not too hot, not too hot either. But we're not interested in the weather here. We're interested (laughs) in the paranormal. So um, what do you consider your paranormal expertise, would you say? I love research, and that's probably my expertise. I I love to do investigations as well, but, I, you know, I find you... Uh, you kind of get the same stuff. You have your apparitions, you have your voices, your footsteps, and you have a lot of your, you know, common things that happen with investigators. And I love to follow groups, as I will a lot on Twitter and a lot of different areas of the country. But I like to uh, get into more of an understanding of it and perhaps even more the scientific aspects of it to 
explain why, you know, why are you hearing these sounds? Why are you hearing these footsteps? And okay. And so you run the Paranormal Insights website and newsletter. I do, yes. I also have another site, which is paranormalentanglement.com. I run that as well. Okay. And so uh, what can people find on those sites? Paranormal Insights is more from a paranormal perspective where I kind of present some unique uh, perspectives because I wanted to do something different. Uh, a lot of people write about locations uh, or write about, you know, poltergeists or whatever, but mm -hmm. I wanted to do something different. Uh, the, the logo for my site is uh, lowering the veil to see what's on the other side. And so I try to present some unique perspectives to do that. Okay. And what's Paranormal Entanglement about? That one is more from a scientific aspect where I try to dig into um, some of our current theories and understandings of science mm -hmm. and draw some conclusions and, you know, put some lines between the two, between the paranormal and science to see if we can explain some of these things so that the paranormal world is not so much theory, but we can say, yes, this is why this happens. Okay. And so that, that paranormal entanglement is probably inspired by the quantum entanglement? It is, kind yes. Of thing, and that's, yes. And Albert Einstein called that, what, spooky action at a distance? This is true, <laughs> yes. It is a very unusual phenomenon, but uh, yes, yeah, there's a lot of different laws that I'm learning attached to that. Okay. Uh, that we've never known in the, in the history of mankind, really, until now. Uh, I think our Hadron Collider, I forget where it's at, but that's really revealing, you know, on a very minuscule level, how life works, and I think by understanding that, we can help understand the paranormal. If it doesn't create a black hole and suck us all in before, I you know. know. <laughs> before I... Yes, it's some Stephen Hawking there. <laughs> so, okay, so now that people know where to find you and what kind of paranormal stuff you do, let's start with, how did you get interested in this field in the, in the first place? I had my first experience when I was around 17 years old. I'm originally from Canton, Ohio. Okay. And a friend of mine, we used to walk around the cemeteries a lot. And one day we stumbled on this full bodied apparition. It was an old man in a, in a robe, and he kind of glowed sort of this bluish gray color. Like, like a monk's robe? Yes. Okay, like so not a like a bathrobe. <laughs> no. It <laughs> was it just like an old dude in the bathroom who no. wandered into the cemetery? <laughs> No, it was not some creeper. It was uh, okay. an actual spirit. You could see through it. Uh, it, was, it was an amazing experience. And he turned and looked at us when we came around the corner. And I was just shocked. Of course, we took off running because it okay. scared the hell out of us. And we kind of did some research later. And we figured out that probably that was a gatekeeper. Uh, they're common. In every cemetery, there's somebody to kind of watch over the area. Okay. Now, that's interesting. I haven't heard about that too much before. So what's a gatekeeper? Uh, I don't know who really appoints them. Maybe they're self-appointed. They're okay. just kind of spirits who keep an eye on things. And uh, I don't know. It's I've read about it. It could simply be legend. But sure. I, I saw a guy that looked, that, you know, it seemed like he fit the description. So for me, it seems to be a reality. That's interesting. Like a gatekeeper spirit inside of a cemetery. It's funny what that makes me think of. Um, there's a Peter Jackson movie about 20 years old now called The Frighteners. Okay. And in The Frighteners, Michael J. Fox plays a character that can see ghosts and dead people, but he also runs a like a a medium slash clearing, you know, he'll clear buildings and stuff for people. Huh. And there's a scene in the cemetery that has the uh 
Arlie Ermy, the, the drill instructor from Full Metal Jacket. Okay. And he's playing a drill instructor that's like lording over the cemetery. Like it's the spiritual drill, like a, a drill oh. instructor ghost who's <laughs> telling people where to go and what to do and how they come in and out of the cemetery. And so it's funny that you say that because they had a, a gatekeeper type ghost character in that film, The Frighteners. Wow. Well, yeah, I'm going to check that out. I yes. have not seen that yet. That's a, great. Yeah, this is before he did The Hobbit and everything, but it's, uh, it's a really, it's a fun movie. And so I, I recommend it. Okay, cool. I did have a little piece for, uh, this is a Westlawn Cemetery in Canton, Ohio. Now, okay. And through all of my research, I discovered, and actually a few years ago, I went back there and I found the gravestone of Frankenstein. It is tied to a legend that back in Germany, uh, Victor Frankenstein was, his grave was being ransacked all the time. So he contacted somebody here in Ohio and had the body shipped to that cemetery. Interesting. You mean Frankenstein? Frankenstein, yes, the very same. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so that was a little quick aside. No, and that's fun, and that's fun. So 17, I mean, so you guys, um, I mean, a lot of us in high school did the quote-unquote legend tripping. Like, you go to a place that has a paranormal story involved, and you go check it out, and it was a lot of fun. And sometimes you'd see something a little weird or hear some noises, but you and your friends saw the full body apparition. I mean, yes. that would make me a believer right there. Like, hey, there you go. There I it is. Can- I was convinced at that point. Absolutely. <laughs> and so did this kind of light a fire in you? Like, what was your next thought when you're like, okay, I, I was always into this stuff. I wanted to check it out. And I always wanted to see something. There it was. Well, I saw a real ghost. What, what do I do next? What happens next? Well, I mean, it's kind of just reading about it from that point, but we'll fast forward a few years, Okay, and I had heard about a place called Molly Stark Hospital, which is kind of in the Louisville-Ravenna area, Ohio. It's an old tuberculosis sanatorium. It was turned into a mental hospital, and they closed it in 1995, but uh, I finally got an opportunity to go out there with my nephew, and we did some investigation there. Uh, We got some voices that we heard through the ventilation shafts. We heard, uh, we seen figures possibly looking out the windows. I did catch some orbs in the open air verandas up at the top as well. And uh, one time I actually went into the basement and was looking around. I shot some photos. And when I got to uh, kind of where the stairwell came down, all the hairs on my body stood up. And I knew something was coming down. It's pitch black. You can't see it. But I tore out of there. And uh, sure, that hospital has actually been an inspiration for, you know, has led up to what I do today. Because that story, I ended up guest posting on a horror fiction writer's site. Okay. And that led to the Paranormal Insights blog that I have today. I see. So what year did you investigate the uh, hospital? Uh, it was probably around, gosh, I think, I think I did around 2000, the turn okay. of 2000. So, so it's after it closed? Yes, after it was closed. So if a hospital's closed, how did you and your nephew get in? Well, they didn't board it up very well. Okay. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> no, we kind of snuck in there. They didn't have sure. any no trespassing signs at that time. So I, I climbed in there and I took a look around. So yes, that's how I got in. And what kind of voices did you hear in the ventilation shafts? Did the voices have anything specific that they said? Was it, it just, was, was it coughing? No. It, well, it was. <laughs> you would think it would be with right. tuberculosis. <laughs> yeah. 
but uh, we, it was kind of uh, it was just male voices. Uh, we couldn't really figure out what they were saying. Uh, it happened only twice, but it was enough that we were able to hear it. Um, and it only happened the one time we did the investigation. Okay. So how did the, the horror fiction writer's blog, did you do a, a dramatization of the story or did you just do a straight up like, uh, this, is, this is my story and this is what happened to me and put it on there? Well, how it happened is, uh, the writer, I could probably tell who it is, it's Brian Moreland, uh, brianmoreland.com. Okay. I commented on his post on the Trans-Allegheny Asylum. Okay. Oh, and, and we saw a Trans-Allegheny, there was something on the Trans-Allegheny Asylum at the Haunted America this year. Exactly. And I believe that Sherry Brake does tours there, if I remember correctly. Okay. So, yes. And so I commented on his blog, and then he asked me to write about something uh, along oh, the see. lines of the asylum. And so I just kind of told my story of what had happened at the Molly Stark. I attached some photos with it and uh, just kind of gave my thoughts on what I thought about my experiences there. Now, when you said your hair stood up on end when you were in there, did you get a, a sense of something in the room with you? Because sometimes when we encounter something unknown, we'll just get up and run because it's unknown. And right. other times we get up and run because we feel something malevolent. I would say it felt threatening. I felt like there were more than one of them there. And it, you know, it initiated that fright or flight feeling. Or okay. Fight or fight. Fight or flight, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I didn't want to stick around. So, yeah, I was gone. I think it, I don't, it's, in all my studies of it, I don't think anything really malevolent is in there. But sure. it's awful curious and it's kind of spooky. Sure. And, and also, you never know if somebody's angry, they're dead. Uh, as I might be as well. You're right. <laughs> right. So how old was your nephew at the time? Was your, you know, uh, uh, he's uh, young. He was, uh, gosh, I want to say he was probably about 12, maybe 13, if that old. Okay. Uh, well, the, per the perfect age to go investigating though. You yeah. know, him and it, you know, when I brought it up to him, he's like, oh, me and my friends, we go out there all the time. I'm like, oh, great. Let's go. Let's check it out. And so ever since then, he is constantly going up there. Um, I sent him a copy of my book, of course, because, you know, right. I, I try to encourage him, you know, as much as possible. So Sure. So, okay, you have this experiences when you're 17 and experience when you're 2000. And then when did you start the Paranormal Insights uh, newsletter after that? Uh, that I started, well, I started the blog. I launched that on December 31st, 2013. Okay. I think I started, I started putting together a newsletter maybe about a year and a half after that. It was real, you know, I used Microsoft Word. I didn't know what sure. I was doing, but I know I wanted to put something out there. And then one day I discover MailChimp and I'm like, ah, this is it. Okay. So, you go, but I mean, the idea is that like, how do you go from being interested into being like, okay, because when you set yourself up as, and I understand as somebody who's into this, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, it's, it's one thing because a lot of people will be like, oh yeah, well, I went out to that haunted house or, you know, we used to take girls to make out in the, the scary backwoods or something like that. And it's yeah. another thing to say like, okay, I go there with like a, a tape recorder, or not a tape recorder anymore, but like a digital voice recorder. I go there with a camera and now I'm going to tell people about it. And, and, you know, that always to me seems like a brave step because it's like coming out. It's like saying like, yeah, I'm, I'm in. You know, <laughs> all right, right. Uh, I think the newsletter was spawned because I wanted to um, kind of take the blog to a more personal level. I'm 
I'm always trying to connect with people. I want sure. their stories. I want their feedback. And the blog is okay because some people will comment and other people will do so on social media. But I wanted to, you know, hear their stories as well. And then in that way, it gives me content on top of it. Well, it sounds like you had a, a supportive family when it came to your interests here. They are. Okay. They are. I have a very supportive wife and, you know, my family, they, they kind of sideline watch, but, you know. <laughs> but as, <laughs> hey, as long as they're not ridiculing you, that's the important part and they're behind you. So that's, No, they do support. They do. That's yeah. great. So those are your first two paranormal experiences. Now, by the time you get to the blog from uh, this experience at the hospital, now that's 13 years. In the meantime, were you out there doing investigations? Did you have any more experiences in there? Uh, I had one in 2008, which um, when I was in Alton, Illinois, my wife and I, we decided to get together a group of us uh, to go on one of the Antoinette's uh, haunted ghost tours. She's, okay. a, a, she's a retired psychic. She doesn't do them anymore. Her daughter has taken over. And that night uh, ended up being a, a huge turning point for me in my paranormal investigation and uh, writing career because it gave me a lot of material. I think we visited the McPike Mansion. Um, we went down into the wine cellar down there and we got to experience that. And that was absolutely amazing because you sit in chairs in like a, a half circle. Okay. They slam the big cast iron door shut. You're locked in. You ain't getting out because there's one way in and one way out. Right. All the lights are out and you can see blue and red flashes of light in there and mm. you can also see it's almost like a gray dark mist in front of your eyes it kind of swirls around and they say that those are the spirits in there and there are a lot of children's spirits in that cellar okay my wife had an experience um we were sitting there holding hands and something ran up on her and kicked her in the foot so she felt it she felt her shoe get kicked and then oh, after that, her pant leg got pulled. And uh, she's, you know, looking around, nudging to me, thinking that you know, somebody's playing a joke on right. her and nobody's touching her. And uh, suddenly then I feel my pant leg get pulled a little bit too. When they turn the lights back on, her pant leg is sticking straight out from when it was tugged by the little girl, which we think it was a child because it had to be somebody short. So that is one amazing experience there in Alton. Um, we also visited the Milton Schoolhouse, where a student was murdered in the basement. Oh, then, yeah. We, uh, we performed in the Milton Schoolhouse, and that, uh, Mavis is the coffee shop in there now. Oh, and is so, it? Yeah, we did a little show there last year. It was fun. Wow, that's great. Wow, cool. Uh, yeah, I think our experiences there, they were pretty minimal. We sat in the uh, the big, I think it was the auditorium, and you could watch the uh, motion detector light kept going on and off. Okay. Uh, yeah, nobody was in the room, and you could see shadow figures and stuff moving around. Uh, that was a really cool experience. The Alton National Cemetery is also on that tour. That is where we got to experience, uh, they have... Well, they have trolls that walk at the end of the tour, and they kind of just make sure everybody is kept together. And they also inform you on some of your experiences. And we kept hearing footsteps in the gravel behind us. And she says, oh, that's just the soldiers. They follow behind you because they're curious as to what you're doing here. And she also went and pointed out that if we could look 
uh, along the trees, you'll see them running from tree to tree because they believe the war is still going on and that, you know, we might be the enemy. Oh, man. So, I, and, I mean, that was in one tour. You, had, you saw all those different things and felt that stuff. Yes, and I haven't told you the greatest one, which we kind of talked briefly about before going sure. on the air. Okay. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, the uh, residential home where uh, there was supposed to be a little girl there in the house. And, uh, you know, the story of my wife who was pregnant at the time. And we didn't know that uh, our daughter Hannah had passed away in the womb from trisomy 13, which is like a genetic disorder. Okay. But uh, she attracted a lot of attention in that house as well. So, again, that was a big night for us uh, in the paranormal realm. So if you don't mind me asking, what, what kind of attention was it like? Um, did you guys see anything or was it feeling something or uh, like pokes or what did, what did you guys feel? Well, she kept the divining rods in her hands and wherever she went, they were constantly just going crazy as though whatever it was was interacting with her. Um, she's a bit sensitive herself to uh, the paranormal. So she said she could kind of feel something constantly around her. And after we'd been in the bedroom, we went downstairs and they were doing a, a pendulum session at the kitchen table. Okay. And they said that usually she'll, you know, kind of flick the pendulum if you ask her a question. Generally, it's a little tough. But when my wife went down there, the thing was just swinging all Back over and the forth. place. Right. And uh, the people were there. They're like, this doesn't normally happen. Uh, this is rather unusual. And so you put out a pamphlet on this, which was a blog post on your site, correct? It is a piece of it, yes, yes. We'll be linking to that blog post from here, and this is the show notes will be at othersidepodcast.com slash 107 is where you can find all of this. So the pendulum swinging and the dowsing rods going crazy, and, and you're feeling that, and then you, you feel that maybe the spirit knew that something was awry. Yes. At the time, of course, we had no idea sure. what that was until, uh, I think it was maybe a week later, where we went to, you know, she had her doctor's appointment. We went in there, they couldn't find a heartbeat, and we figured out that she had miscarried. So we think that spirits were able to, or at least this one was able to, try to kind of tell us something, you know, because they knew that we didn't know. And so it kind of opens up, I think, kind of a dialogue of, you know, how, how much spirits do know. And, you sure. Because I think I've learned, you know, especially with uh, psychic mediums, that they communicate with uh, the other side, um, that when they come into a room and they're getting ready to do a session, it draws a lot of attention. And the information that he, can get, he or she gathers is amazing because it can be about future events that have yet to happen, but they know about it. And so I'm confused how is this possible and so that of course opens up more research right. more writing uh, yeah well and you you were mentioning before that your post on, on this particular topic was really popular on your website or it was one of your most clicked on posts yes yes in your research have you discovered more of um i guess pre people having prenatal paranormal experiences you do see actually there's quite a bit of it out there um I know I've hit at least four or five different websites where mothers will write in and say, you know, when I was pregnant, my alarm clock would go off, the TV would turn on and off, lights would flicker, um, 
just unusual activity would happen that didn't happen before and actually didn't happen after the birth either. So there's something about the child being, I think, so close to that transition point between life and, you know, the spirit yeah, world. Right. There's, there's something going on there, and I kind of want to dig into and try to understand what that is. Well, I think and that's an interesting, because when, you know, you talk about be- between here and the spirit world, and you, you talk about your blog, when you say lowering the veil, you know, and mm-hmm. that's the whole idea, the veil between here and what's not here, <laughs> or, right. you know, and stranger things, they would probably call it the upside down or whatever. <laughs> but that's an interesting thing. And, and you said you, that might be something that you'll write a book about eventually. I do plan on doing it. I would like to actually as well link a charity to it uh, in honor of Hannah sure. uh, to see, you know, what I could help. Because I, I think I've, I think there, I don't know exactly what it is that uh, readers would get from a book from that. So that's probably the first thing that I want to reach out and do is, you know, if I wrote a book about the paranormal and pregnancy, what would you like to see in it? And sure. So that's where I'm going to start with my research. Uh along with finding cultures all over the world and how they treat it. Um, there was a, gosh, I think they're Maui Indians, maybe? Maybe Australia. They have certain traditions that they do, and it, and it involves pregnancy in the spirit realm. So uh, I think studying other cultures and how they uh, perceive it and do things is going to be helpful when writing this book. Okay, well, that's going to, I mean, that out of tragedy comes an interesting topic and 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 something yes but we can talk about the book you have written and this and this is something i'm completely interested in because before i saw your pamphlet on it i had no idea about what it was or anything like that and that is that there are paranormal properties of limestone yes i in all my time of being in the paranormal field you hear the stone tape theory passed around and, and and if you guys don't know what the stone tape theory is, the, the stone tape theory, and all uh, Tim, feel free to correct me if I get any facts incorrect here. Oh. Um, the stone tape theory is the idea that stone can record visual events, things that happen there, like grooves in vinyl in a record. And under the right conditions, that will get replayed like you would play a record under a needle, and those grooves are what uh, records the sound. In the stone, there is something in the physical properties of it that record the, the visual event. And when the right conditions happen, and it replays, like we used to play LPs around the, around the record player, that would be what we would consider like a haunting experience. You got it. That's it. And the interesting thing is, and you use the right language. I like that, the record. Um, and I, and I say that for a reason, because the man who originally presented the idea, Thomas Charles Lethbridge, who's from the United Kingdom, back in the 1970s, it was back in the days of cassette tapes. And so when he tried to present this theory, people would go, oh, well, you can't record something like that because Stone can't record like a cassette tape. Right. What I've tried to do is take his thinking and actually find the way that it can do that. And I present some theories in the book. Uh, first of all, how can it record? Um, so basically, we're looking at probably three different kinds of energies, electromagnetic fields. We're looking at uh, psychic energies and uh, emotional ones. So they're kind of tied together a little bit. Sure. Um, from... 
let's see. Some of the things, uh, you know, just you talked about the residual hauntings. When there's a murder or a suicide or a tragic death that happens on a site, that creates a lot of energy. And it does get imprinted on the environment. And one of the things I tried to show in my book is that it can embed itself into limestone. Now, for people that who are geology amateurs, let's say, let's say you know what rocks are, you know what stones are, what specifically is limestone? We're a little help there. Sure, that's great. Uh, limestone is a sedimentary rock. It covers most of the earth. It's one of the most abundant rocks on the planet within the first, I think, uh, maybe mile of the earth. It is created primarily from dead sea life, algae, coral that die and they sink to the bottom of the ocean. And over time, that layer becomes compressed, and it is also known as calcium carbonate. So interesting. So, so limestone is organic in origin. Yes. Oh, okay, that's, that's interesting. And that is where, just as a quick start on some of my theories as to, because it is organic in origin, is it possible that some of the life energy still resides in the shells or the algae as it settles and becomes compressed. And I create a term called paranormal plankton that says if, it's, if that is true, then all of those micro units of energy can be harvested by ghosts like baleen whales harvest plankton. Ah, that's an interesting idea. So because it was once alive, yes, it still might have some residual, you know, living energy associated with it. And that's what spirits can access kind of like kind of like they could access the pendulum or access when they turn on and off lights or something like that they they see that living you know that living energy is like okay we we can't just show up and do a little dance for everybody but maybe we can use this as a conduit yes that is one of my assertions that i put forth in the book absolutely and so limestone is it in a lot of structures or i mean where would you could people find limestone in their house or where would you where would you find it normally you can a lot of houses are built with it but more so um buildings are made of it uh as an example we'll go back to alton illinois okay that sets over top of limestone actually quite a few miles of it and the town itself was built with a lot of limestone from the old Civil War prison that was there back in, uh, I think it was the 1800s. Okay. The conditions in that prison were horrible, and these people died, you know, in massive amounts of numbers. And so... Anytime you say the word Civil War prison, it... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it doesn't end with like, oh, and it was great. <laughs> right. Yeah, you weren't being released out into public and like, okay, life goes on. No. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's so it's probably more so, again, with, with buildings that you will find limestone. And it, and it sits underneath the earth as well. It could be underneath your house. Uh, the foundation of your house could be made with it as well. Um, so that's some places where you could find it. What would you estimate the percentage of buildings in our, you know, in our society or in just a regular U.S. town? What percentage would you think have limestone somewhere in the building? 
I would think probably 80% of them do. I mean, I've been, ever since I started, since I wrote this book, I, I do kind of look around now. I'm like, you know, where do I find limestone and how predominant is it? And I, I see it in a lot of homes that I hadn't really thought of before. Um, if you go into any city, um, you will not only see limestone, but you'll see kind of its cousin, uh, granite. Uh, okay. granite, granite as well has an ability to absorb and release energies, uh, maybe even more so because it has a very uh, a definitive crystal structure to it. Um, what led you to limestone in particular? I think because when I've ever talked with paranormal investigators, that's what they say, limestone. And limestone also is, you know, you find it in caves, you know, the stalactites that come down from the ceilings. Mm -hmm. And so that's limestone as well. And it's interesting on how water plays into this and it can just carry it to any location it wants to because water does what it wants to do. When you first heard the stone tape theory, mm -hmm. were, were then you thinking, okay, like which stone would be most... Uh, Conducive. Con conducive to that? Sure. Yes, that's what I thought of. Um, at first, you know, if you speak with kind of geologists, you know, they might say, well, no, that's not necessarily true because limestone in its pure nature is a diamagnetic, has those properties, which means it has zero magnetism to it. Okay. And so it's more about studying the fact that it is a sedimentary rock. And it is those, the things that are in the sediments that make all of the difference. Uh, one of my latest discoveries are magnetotectic uh, bacteria that are in all the oceans of the world. They've been around since the uh, oceans were anaerobic, or that would be without oxygen. Okay. They, they have an iron spine in them. And so I, one of my things is that those kinds of creatures... Again, a living creature lives within limestone as well, as it too will die and become a part of the sediment. And I think I probably got into it as well because of the predominance of limestone. It's, it's really, really popular. Okay. And so, you know, in your book, you talk about different structures that maybe have more ghost stories than others because it has more limestone than others? Yes. Uh, I get that from just reading other uh, paranormal investigations, you know, people that come on and you know, they, they find this to be true. I talked with even some people at the conference there um, in Alton that, you know, I haven't found anybody yet that has said no, that this isn't the case, you know, and that they too see that this is happening, but they don't understand why. Can you give an example of a structure that you think was the, uh, definitely can be attributed, maybe not attributed to limestone, but you can see that, okay, the more limestone, the more spirits or the more limestone, the more activity kind of place. Uh, let me think. I mean, I think probably just as a quick example of something I talked about was that wine cellar in McPike Mansion. That is entirely encased in limestone. And the activity that I have personally experienced in there has probably been the greatest I've seen anywhere. It's amazing on how much power that that has there. Well, anytime you can see a visual... In addition to seeing, you know, in addition to feeling something, when you see lights and things like that in a, in a pitch dark thing, mm -hmm. I mean, that's always going to be an exceptional kind of experience. It is. It's, it's almost rare, but uh, yeah, it was amazing. And then there's been, there's a, a whole line of people that have witnessed that. So. so, you know, when you released your book and people were reading it, what do you think was the biggest objection you heard? to, you know, limestone or, you know, anything, anything in general where you were like, okay, I see your point. 
Ah, you know, I've been trying to get feedback on this book. And interestingly enough, um, you know, everything that I've ever heard is, you know, what a great book it is, how enlightening it is. And I hope that I had written it in as much of a layperson's term as I possibly could so that they could understand it. I haven't found anybody yet that has really disputed any of the information in it because I, I would like to continue the dialogues and if they see something you know that may not necessarily be true i'd love to address that because i want to present something authentic i'm not trying to be sure some fly-by-night dude trying to sell you some crap um <laughs> you know uh i do have a guy who is a geologist who is apparently looking at it and so i'm, I'm curious if i will hear back from him to to kind of get some real feedback from the scientific community, you know, are some of these ideas, you know, can it possibly right. be true? Um, but pretty much anybody that's bought it is just kind of a para-enthusiast. Um, you know, they, like I have, they've heard about this theory, and so they kind of want to see my take on it. So thus far, I've only got, I've gotten positive reviews, although there's one lady, now that I think about it, uh, at the conference there, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, bought this book. Okay. And she has spent a lot of time over in Cornwall in the UK. Sure. And there's, there's a lot of granite over there. I'm actually doing some research on that as well. So I'm curious if uh, I don't hear from her by the next conference, I'm going to talk to her next year and see if she has any input on that. Well, I think she's going to think that the gin are coming through the limestone. <laughs> she is big on gin. She is big right. on the gin. <laughs> And if you guys want to hear a little bit about that, we talk about that in our episode from Haunted America this year in Alton, Illinois. And that's just a, that's just a few episodes back, like episode 97. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Um, and that'll be at othersidepodcast.com slash 107. So, you know, Tim, you wrote the book on the limestone stone tape theory. You're currently working on paranormal and pregnancy. What are some of the other topics you think that you've written about in Paranormal Insights that maybe before you were doing the blog or before you were doing the newsletter, you'd never heard of before? Or, or what's the most shocking thing you think you might have learned since you started working on this stuff? Uh, that is a good question. One of the things, well, actually, I just kind of wrote about it. Um, you know, poltergeists. Okay. You know, anytime you hear about them or you go watch uh, the movies uh, about poltergeists, especially the one here in Missouri, The Exorcist. Right. Um, it talks a lot about, you know, stuff being thrown around and all this crazy stuff going on. And uh, I've been kind of trying to research into the scientific part of that where uh, recurring spontaneous psychokinesis is actually the human mind is able to do those things. It usually happens with adolescents and teenagers who are either living in a very distressed environment or who have been impacted majorly by an event in their lives. And so in a, a matter of understanding the paranormal, I think we need to kind of understand the parapsychology, too. And so I'm kind of heading in that direction. You know, and I think that's an interesting thing you say when you, when you talk about psychokinesis. Now, because of Star Wars, I think when we all grew up, we'd all try to, you know, remember that part in Empire Strikes Back where Luke is hanging upside down and he's in the um, Wampa's cave 
and his lightsaber, you know, is just beyond his reach and he's hung upside down, but he was able to use the force to grab. So I think we've all tried to you know, perform psychokinesis when we were kids. You'd like look at a pencil across the room and be like, come use the force. Come to me, pencil. <laughs> you know, and I, well, I know I did. Oh, I did too. And, and right. So you try to use your psychic powers, try to use your mind bullets to get, <laughs> to get it. <laughs> now, but also the idea that a lot of these poltergeists are a result of a crazy amount of psychic energy coming from uh, the turbulent. I mean, everybody's lives are kind of turbulent when they're a teenager. You know, everybody's a little crazy. Right. And when you combine that in a situation where a home might not be a very safe place or the, it might not be, a, you know, a, a very good family or things like that, where, um, you know, the, the kids not just going through what everybody goes through when they're in adolescence, but also abuse, neglect, all those kind of things that, you know, that sets kind of the perfect storm for weird things to start happening. Yes. And, and you can see that when you talk about the Enfield poltergeist that the um, Conjuring 2 was based on. And I, I think they're also making an Enfield poltergeist movie now as well. Sure. And... Uh, when you talk about these situations of, like, you know, these exorcisms, like the big one, obviously, the, the one based in St. Louis that William Peter Blatty based most of the exorcist on, a lot of them are teenage kids, and a lot of them are in rough homes. And even that, uh, there was a famous exorcism in Indiana, like in 2014. Hmm. And... I think Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures bought the house and was going to make a movie about the, oh, yes. about the demon house of Gary, Indiana. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, and, I mean, of course. Of course he's going to buy the house. I think he tore it down by now, if I last saw he it. He did, but not before he made a documentary. Oh, okay. Right? They got the production costs out of it. Uh, so the house buy was a tax write-off. But the... Um, <laughs> But, you know, you hear in stories like that, like things moving, people being able to walk up the walls, weird, you know, stuff moving around with nobody touching it, flying across the room, like, like you said. And what I also heard about the Indiana Demon House is that it was a, uh, another situation where abuse, neglect, rough home kind of deal that these kids had to deal with. And so you wonder how many times that these situations really are what you were talking about, that spontaneous psychokinesis coming out of this crazy energy that we all have when we're 14 years old or 13 years old and and your body's changing and everything's you know we were talking about before the transitional periods between life and the afterlife between this world and 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 the other world well there's also the transition between child and adult and yes. you know and it's it's a weird difficult thing for most people you know so that's i i just i kept on where you were going is where i think i was Keep it. No, that's great. And uh, yeah, there's got to be some hormone connection in there as well. I don't know what all that is, but... Oh, absolutely. Or, uh, the hormones are the aliens in us that uh, control us at points in life. So. <laughs> absolutely, I know. <laughs> don't I know. And, uh, and, that's, and it's a funny thing because hormones will just... They'll make us do things. Not make us do things, but like they'll put ideas in your head and they'll be like, well, yeah, this is, seems like a, a perfectly wonderful idea. All right. Yeah, I have uh, six kids, and ah. once once they all get to that junior senior level of uh, high school, that kicks in. Where things that I could tell them, you're out of your mind. That's not going to work out for you. But they're like, oh, it'll work. It's fine. And then, you know, they learn the hard way. <laughs> right. And so, you know, who's to say that the people that don't have kind of uh, already 
might have some kind of gift um, or psychic connection or, you know, have, have some kind of connection to that energy in some way. Well, now that you're introducing, I mean, fluctuations in mood, that's going to be fluctuations maybe in their psychic power too. Yes, absolutely. I, they're absolutely directly related for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, no, and so I just thought that was interesting. That's where you were going like, okay, is it really a poltergeist? Is it really a possession? Or is it really just people being able to do things with their mind? Right, because I think uh, a lot of times we tend to go, oh, that's paranormal. And uh, you know, I think we need to dig a little bit deeper into it. And I think for the most part, there's a lot of parapsychologists. And this is getting looked at pretty well. Um, you'd, hope yeah. so. you'd hope so. And we've talked to the, the, the people really holding the parapsychology f- torch in the United States are uh, Dr. Nancy Zingroni and her husband. And... You know, it, it's funny that she was saying, it was like, well, if you want to become a parapsychologist, what's the best way to do it? And she's like, well, study something else and then come to parapsychology from the side. You know, uh-huh. she's like, go to, when, when you go to college, go to college for, if you're into psychology, if you're into psychiatry, if you're into something more mainstream, learn the experimental, le- learn how to perform experiments, learn the method. And then... You know, once you establish yourself in that field, it's much easier to come at parapsychology from the side because when you're looking for grant money for parapsychology now, you know, it's, we all think it's going to be, well, you know, Bill Murray and Ghostbusters was studying it. Like, doesn't everybody studying? It doesn't seem to get the grant money that we all hoped it would. Oh, absolutely not. It don't. <laughs> There's other more important things, right? <laughs> right. Well, I, to, people, to people with money, I guess. Right, right. So on Paranormal Insights, so you learned or, you know, learning that it might be psychokinesis instead of possession and or uh, hauntings kind of deal. And what are some upcoming things on Paranormal Insights? As somebody who would subscribe to your newsletter, what's a story you got coming up to whet their appetite? Well, I could share kind of what I am getting ready to uh, launch on this Friday. I have a post. Okay. And it was inspired from uh, Greg and Dana Newkirk. They were at the conference with the Paranormal Museum of the Occult. Uh, yes. I, I saw you with the uh, the mirror there and that's, the face you made. That's right. And the, uh, so Greg and Dana Newkirk also, uh, their site is Planet Weird. And they had a contest, a tinfoil hat contest, where they, everybody's sending them pictures of tinfoil hats. And so our band, we played at Wisconsin State Fair last week. We sent a picture from the stage with our tinfoil hats on that. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, and they're based, in, they're based out of Cincinnati. Yes, in Ohio. Yes, absolutely. But uh, they have, uh, they had, I think it was the crone, which is a... Um, what they were calling a, an idol, I suppose. It looks like a, an African doll. Um, yeah, like some kind of, um, think about the, the little pieces of wood, weird stuff from the Blair Witch Project. Right, exactly. And that's what I think of the crone. Mm-hmm. And it has some unusual things that it does. I, I watched the video because they said that it will move on its own. Um, and so I thought, well, okay, that's interesting. And then I researched into, I think Nick Groff and uh, Craig Newkirk got together on the Idol of Nightmares, where it is a similar type of a statue that if you touch it, you will have horrible nightmares. Um, Sometimes I think one individual got into a car accident as a result of it. But it's interesting that this idol can get into your dreams, where the guy who had the car accident in his dream the idol sitting right next to him in the seat. 
Um, ah, sure. Uh, so that's interesting on how something like like a haunted object could get into your, I guess, your mind more or less. I mean, how does it do that? And so I have some ideas on how that okay. happens. One of the things we talked about in, um, we did a podcast on uh, exorcism and possession and an exorcism that happened in Wisconsin in the 1860s. And one thing I thought was interesting from that when you talk about haunted objects is that they said that uh, the, the demon inside the guy said that he was possessed and it all started with a German witch that put a hex on their family through a duck egg with a hole in it. Hmm. And, because the, and because the daughter in the family found the duck egg with the hole and played with it or whatever, brought it back to her parents, that's what set the whole thing off. So it, it's funny when you, you know, the idea of a haunted object, that something could curse the people that come into contact with it, even if they don't have anything, you know, devilish of their own. All right. And so it kind of, you know, so when I, when I think about something like that, I'm thinking of limestone, energy absorption, haunted object energy absorption and so making that connection is uh you know kind of one leading to another i hope to be able to try to understand i mean that seems so very it's probably one of the most i don't know i can't even begin to understand how that could happen right and so because that is so amazingly odd i want to know why <laughs> right well the idea that certain objects might have the receptivity or be able to be some kind of psychic energy receptacle like when we talk about the stone tape theory and the psychic energy in the wall or in the floor or anything right. like that. You know, I, I remember um, I'm the founder of a, a ghost tour here in Madison, Wisconsin. And I've had various guides over the years. And what, one of our guides, uh, about four years ago, this particular, he was a just a like your basic Southern kind of, he was Southern, but he moved to Wisconsin. He's from Florida. And he's your basic kind of almost, nah, I wouldn't say rednecky, but just meat and potatoes, red blooded Southern American man, regular guy, real fun. Like he, he started working on the tour because he wanted to work on his trucks. You know, he had uh -huh. like, like vintage trucks that he was trying, you know, he's like, well, this is my, my pastime is doing this. And interesting character with no, None of that flamboyance that we all uh, kind of associate with a lot of paranormal kind of things. And, and just this real straight shooter kind of guy. And then one day, he just starts telling me, he's like, I'm like, oh yeah, well, you know, what got you interested in this besides making a little money and you might be able to tell some stories and it's fun. I'm like, why, why are you interested? And he goes, well, when I was about 20 years old, um, I saw a Civil War soldier walk through my room hmm. in Florida. He's like, I saw just... I saw this guy, maybe it wasn't 20 minutes, a little younger than that, but he said, I saw a soldier in a Civil War uniform just walk through my living room, and I was wide awake, and wow, and I knew it. I knew ghosts were real then. Wow. And, that, and that's, that's what it takes, too. you got to have that personal experience, and that alters your life. I, you know, I, I think Zach Bagans and all these other guys, you know, that's what they talk about, that one thing. That right. Just, Changes everything, and well, and you and you saw the uh, the gatekeeper in the right. cemetery in Canton, Ohio. Right, exactly. And, and you know, I think that's a, and I've never had that. You know, I've never had my come to Jesus moment when it came to like a <laughs> spiritual, like a, a paranormal experience. I've seen some weird things, but nothing like that. But I just think it's interesting where someone will be very direct and every, and they'll just be like, and if I said like, no, you didn't see a civil war, so be, no, I did, I totally saw it. And so that it's that kind of thing 
I always think is interesting when you talk about the stone tape theory in that, you know, people who aren't normally into this stuff, if they see that recording happen and that recording just plays for them, mm-hmm. I mean, that means there is something unexplainable going on. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think that's, that's fun. That is, that is. Um, you know, you talk about residual hauntings, I suppose. Uh, mm-hmm. And intelligent ones, too, can play into this, um, you know, where it's a, a back-and-forth conversation. I, I, I think they're kind of hand-in-hand there. Um, Have you had any back-and-forth conversations, you think, uh, an intelligent haunting? I don't know that I have had that personally. Um, well, no, let me correct myself. When we were in the Alton National Cemetery, it was not so much a conversation, but uh, we were tracking something with divining rods, and okay. I was walking behind my wife. She had the rods, and I had a digital camera, and we just I kept shooting as we walked. And something led us all through the cemetery, and then it stopped on a certain tombstone. And we think that whoever this was was trying to show us our relative. I mean, it's hard to say what, but it was an intelligent interaction where if we stopped, it would come back to us and go, okay, you know, you need to go this way. And we actually caught a photo of it. Uh, it's one of my coolest uh, paranormal pictures that I have. It is a mist. It's kind of almost angel-shaped um, of whatever this was. Uh, and was that over the stone that it led you to, or that was just in the, in the graveyard? It was on the way to the stone. It was at some point in the graveyard. I think we were near a tree or something. And I just happened to capture it. And I looked at it right away. And I go, wait a minute. There's nothing there. How could this be possible? And there it goes. There it is. (laughs) Nice. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us today, Tim. You've been very fun and so much information. And I love it. And if people want to find you, want to check out your book, want to learn more, maybe want to sign up for the Paranormal Insights newsletter, please tell us where we can do that right now. Uh, you can find my book uh, on Amazon.com. You just Google my name, Timothy Yohe, Y-O-H-E, and you'll find it. Uh, please join me on the Paranormal Insights blog at uh, ghosttracker423.blogspot.com. When you go there, there'll be uh, uh, either a pop-up box that you can join or there's something in the sidebar. Um, you can find my social media links. I'm literally everywhere. And I also enjoyed, uh, want you to join me on paranormalentanglement.com. I just published an article on there about the nocebo effect. Uh, so you might want to see what that has to do with the paranormal. Okay, well, like that, you can find that in the show notes, too, at othersidepodcast.com slash 107. Uh, Tim, what is the 423 in the ghost tracker? The 423 is intended, it was my Hannah's birth date. On, she was due on April 23rd, 2009. And so in honor of her, I used the 423 to route a lot of my stuff. So. Oh, that's, a, that's a nice thought. It really mm-hmm. is. Oh, All right. Thanks. Thank you, Tim. Oh, thank you, Mike. I greatly appreciate it. Well, that was a great interview, Mike. And thanks. man, I just want to say, is that guy the coolest uncle in the world or what? <laughs> He is the coolest he uncle in the world. Took his nephew to a haunted place. Yeah. <laughs> a little breaking I mean, and entering with, with, with Uncle Tim. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I always felt cool around my nieces and nephew because being in a band and stuff, you know. Sure. Makes me the cool rocker aunt. But I haven't taken them on any haunted uh, excursions like that. So I got to say, that's pretty impressive. That's, that's yeah, a good that uh, is. Now I have new ideas for things to do with my that's right. <laughs> nieces and nephew.
That's right. That's fun. And and uh, Tim had a lot of cool stuff to say, and I thought he got into the stone tape theory pretty well. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a show called uh, Arthur C. Clarke's World of Strange Powers, and that was the oh. first place I had heard of the stone tape theory. Wow, and that I, was a while ago. Yeah, when I, right, I was like six years old. So speaking of Stranger Things and going back to the 80s, like I used to tape that show on uh, Channel 10, the PBS station in Milwaukee, at like 11.30. Cool. And, yet, and you knew it was the last show of the night because Star Hustler was on afterwards. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, so, and then they even had the national anthem too. I remember Star Hustler and then the national well, anthem. Right. Back, back when TV Boy. stations used to go off the air. You stayed up really late. Well, I taped it. Ah. So I was able to do it because I was the only person in my family who knew how to operate the VCR. Okay. All right. So we'll put that in the show notes and that'll be a little fun fact because we heard about the modern... Uh, retelling of the stone tape theory and let's go back 30 some years to see how they were talking about it in the early 80s and they can cool. find it there all right and speaking of stone tapes that's what this week's song's about isn't it it sure is yeah that just the concept of something taking place around stone and then it being sort of recorded in that stone it was inspiring so you could say that it's captured in limestone i could and that's why this week's song is called Captured in Limestone.
thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Come use the force. Come to me, pencil. Wait, 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 but that's not all. What do you mean that's not all? I thought the show was over. I was something important. Okay, okay. We just have to send one more thank you to our newest Patreon, Ned. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ned, for becoming part of the Patreon. See you on the other side podcast community and all the support. We couldn't do it without you. Gracias, my brother. Thanks, Ned.